You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. This week on the show, we have Paula Priamos. Her new book is called Appraise Her, and we chat why writers need to stop worrying and just be politically incorrect. How Hemingway started Paula's career path to being a writer. How complaining about your husband keeps a marriage together. Tupac's penis, and so much more. Hi, I'm Paula Priamos, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Paula Priamos. Her new book is called Appraise Her. Paula, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, well, it's good to have you. Um, and, and you watched boxing this last week. We were talking about boxing. You keep up with boxing. I'm a huge boxing fan. And in fact, um, just the other day I found out I was named the top fan on on Facebook for this boxer named Gennady Golovkin. His nickname's Triple G. And, And I don't quite know what to make of that. Um, I don't know if I'm commenting too much or if. It's cool that I'm commenting, but I'm a woman and I'm the top fan for, you know, uh, a male boxer. So that's got to be kind of cool, right? Do you? (laughs) Yeah. Do do you think there's like metaphors in boxing that there is like in storytelling and writing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There are so many there are so many things that a boxer has to prepare for before he goes in the ring. And mentally, physically, everything. And um, yeah, I absolutely think that. Except except in boxing, it's probably a lot less mental fatigue than what we have to go through as writers. <laughs> true, true. Uh, Can you just punch me it. in the head instead of writing this book? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and times, you know, when you read a good or a bad review... Right. You feel like you've been power punched. <laughs> so there, there's all sorts of things um, that happen as a writer, good and bad. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. There's a connection there between both. Yeah. Yeah. And and so you, did you grow up in Southern California? Yeah. Yeah. In Los Angeles or? Um, yeah. I was born in Linwood. Do you know where that's at? Next I've... to Watts and Southgate. Yes. I know where that's at. Yeah. And then um, my parents, we moved to Cerritos. And then we moved to a town called Chino, um, where there's a prison. Yeah. And and the Chino prison stars, co-stars in one of my essays in uh, my memoir. But um, we moved there. And then when my parents broke up when I was a teenager, um, we had a second home in Tennessee. And my brother and my sister and my mom went there and I stayed with my dad. So I'm, I'm a SoCal girl. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's, um, what's that? Not a big fan of the South. It's a little too humid. Oh, humid. Yeah. (laughs) I know it's, I I moved from San Francisco to Los Angeles about eight years ago Uh and I still miss the fog and I miss, I miss the cold Oh of, yeah, yeah. Of San Francisco, but 
I can deal with the heat in LA now. That's, you know, that's, that's my only complaint. There's so much, <laughs> there's so much great about LA. It's, right. I'll go with it. Yeah, yeah. Some people don't like LA, but I enjoy going down. I like where I live because I'm able to drive down there for the day, come back in one trip and it, you know, it doesn't wear me out or anything. I have yeah. season tickets to Mark Taper. Oh, do you? So I go there a lot. Now, what was it? Mike Boblio? Who is he's doing For something there? Biglia, I always yeah. screw up his last name. He's so yeah. clever. Oh yeah. my God, that guy is so cool. He's really, really good. I think his run at the Mark Taper ends this week. It might end this yeah. week. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm plugging him because he's really, he's really a good comedian. I saw him at the Amundsen a couple years ago. And then I just saw him the other weekend with my friend. And this was funny. We were, of course, it's hotter than hell. Oops, I cursed. Oh, right. And, because right because we were in the 90s. Right. Yeah. And, so, and then downtown's even worse. Because it's oh, just yeah. like, ugh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Grimy. And so we went, we were early for, for once. And so, of course, what do we do? We get a glass of wine. So we're hotter now. And then we, we find some shade and we're sitting, having our glass of wine, getting hotter. And then he comes up with his handler and I saw him and he has big smile on his face. You know, he wasn't like one of those arrogant entertainers. He gave off a really good vibe. And so I just kind of extended my arms and gave him like a little tiny clap. Uh -huh. And then he laughed and he turned around and he started bowing in this exaggerated way. And it was just a funny little encounter with him. And um, then we watched his show and you just can't stop laughing. I mean, he's, he's self-deprecating, he's clever, and he talks about mortality in this show. It's really, really good. Oh, I'm all about mortality. <laughs> We're all going to die. I know. <laughs> and what's weird is none of us are freaking out about it. We're just like, okay, whatever. We don't who's know. Not, who's not freak? I'll freak about it out. Do you? <laughs> I, I think about it a lot. They just don't think about it. And I mean, I guess that's good too. Yeah. Or, you know, they're into their religion and that gives them comfort. Right, right. But I just appreciate every day. That's kind of my thing. Yeah, yeah. It's And, and that's, and, and, and I've learned that too with writing is the, you know, Loving the process for me, I'm like starting to learn, love the process, love today's process, not the outcome. Right. And it, it's because I've bet on the outcome before, but not bet on it. But I mean, you kind of have to on your first book where you're just like, this is going to be something when you're on like <laughs> year two and you're going and you're banging your head against the wall and going, is it, is it? Yeah. And then, you know, but you have to have kind of a delusional spark. And then if it does become something great and then it's like, okay now that didn't feel like as that didn't feel as fun as it was when it comes out i don't know if it's the same for you like where it's just like it's something comes out and you're like that's great yeah oh there yeah. it is i i like i like sitting down somewhere quiet and writing and then what's kind of a pain in the ass for me i cursed again sorry um i stop bringing I, attention to it okay go ahead <laughs> i end up I end up having like this um, movie reel playing in my head. And so once the movie reel gets started, there's no shutting it off. So once I start on a project, um, it's happened with my memoir and my two novels. I can't stop. 
And so I'll be with my friends or I'll be teaching or I'll be out to dinner, whatever I'm doing, it's still playing over and over. So I have to sit down. I have to write out that scene. I usually write scene by scene. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a constant playing in my head, this reel in my head. And it's good and it's bad. It's, it's great that I can just harness it and sit down and write and get the story down. And then it's bad in the sense that it kind of haunts me. <laughs> yeah. It shows yeah. up all the time. Like, damn, go away. <laughs> can you, um, is, is there a way, this is, this is what I've been learning, like even today, because I, I, I just, I'm like, oh God, I got to get to these scenes. So it's itching me to get to these scenes. And, but I, then I got to go, I need to, this scene needs to be the best it can be. So stop thinking about what's next. You know, right, I, know right. I know where I'm going. And then I have to put a like a pen in it and go, okay, tomorrow this, and then walk away, uh-huh. uh, which I feel like I'm doing better now. I That's don't know. Good. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't yeah. haunt me, but then I'll, I'll be I'll, at night after I type in the, cause I handwrite everything. So after I type it in, then I do I'm too. like, I do too. Oh, do you? Uh-huh. I love why, it. Now, why, now, why do we do that? Cause that's for one, that's the longest, that's a terrible way <laughs> in, in, a, in a way. Why do you do that? I do it because it's informal and I can screw up. I can make a mess and then there's no pressure. And so there's not that blank screen with the flashing cursor. There's none of that. And so I just, I'm my most creative when I'm writing in a spiral notebook and that I write everything that way. I write a blog post, I write a book review, all of it starts in a spiral notebook. Wow. So that I, I got the same weird thing too. Like even when I was uh, writing articles for the San Francisco Chronicle, uh-huh. everything was handwritten. Right. And then, and then it was typed in and I, and and it has to be on yellow legal pads. Okay. And and it's just because I have to be able to go fast. Right. And then I can rip them off and put like, a, you know, if I'm working on a larger piece and I can just slip them right into the um mm-hmm. the printed version of that and know that that's next and throw mm-hmm. it aside. But it's funny that you have to have this. You, so do you have like one of those large spiral notebooks? Do you get the smaller college ones with like I get three... the college. I have to, Tony, I have to get the college line. And I get different colors. I get purple, black, green, yellow. And what's kind of cool is like I'll be writing a scene and then I'll see something in my head that, oh, I want this to happen way down the line later in the narrative. So I'll, 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 go, at the, I'll go to the end of my spiral notebook and I'll, I'll write that scene down. And nine times out of 10, when I get to that point, I'll know, oh, that's in my, that's in my yellow notebook. And I go in there and I write that scene. So wow. it's, it's pretty cool. I think it's, I think it's a cool way to, um, to, to write because you're allowed to mess up. Yes. And when you're there, I've seen people try to write um, on the computer and they get very frustrated because they have to perfect each sentence before they can move on. And I think when you start in a notebook or a legal pad, you don't you don't have to worry about that. I agree, and I think the last thing we need to wor- to worry about is perfect sentences. We need to we need to worry about right. a great story, right? Then we can go back through and like perfect sentences are the technical edit. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. way later. So, but 
there's that editor side of every writer that goes, oh, man, that sentence is clunky or, oh, that's this or, you know, I should probably fix that before I move on. Yeah, yeah. So it, it kind of works. It works better for me if I'm in the spiral notebook first. And then I take it to my laptop and then I'll print it out and I'll look at it later. And but that's, where I, I do love to write and I do. I'm, I heard your I listened to your. Um, show with Jerry Stahl and you guys were talking about writing and the journey versus the outcome. And oh, yeah. I really do enjoy the journey. I really do. Or I wouldn't, I wouldn't have written any books, you know? Yeah. I'm finding that I, I get to um, the one I'm the project I'm working on now, even though I know where it ends, it, it still informs me. Like I still, it's still like, I'll start writing and I think I know where I'm going and then it goes somewhere else and I mm -hmm. just keep going and stay out of the way. Exactly. Yeah. You got to stay out of the way. Like um, when I wrote my second novel inside B or my second book inside B um, I told my friend, I said, I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for this character that he's a good guy. And my friend said, what are you talking about, Paula? You're writing the story. And I said, no, but he's a character. He has a life of his own now. And I've let him loose and I'm hoping he's a good guy. So if he turned into a bad guy, I was willing to let him do that. Um, but, but they do feel like people once you start writing them, don't they? Oh yeah. 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 It's, I currently have a relationship with, um, <laughs> is it a good one? <laughs> it's, 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 it's probably the best. It's probably the best romantic relationship I've ever had <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> That's too funny. <laughs> yeah. It's very needy. It needs to see me every day, but you know, I just, I get through it. So, <laughs> so she's a little bit clingy, but you're happy with her. <laughs> yeah. She gets mad if I have other ideas. She's like, no, 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 no. Over here, buddy. Over here. We're talking, we're on this. <laughs> Don't move on. Yeah, exactly. Where, what's where, where, uh, where in quietness do you, do you like to write? What, what's your quiet space? Um, I have, I have a chase lounge in my office, which is really comfortable. And if, if it's cold out, I have a beautiful view of the pine trees. I live in Lake Arrowhead. And so I'll come down in my office where I'm at right now and I'll write, um, right now the weather's beautiful up here. So I'll be out on the deck and I'll write out there. Um, I also write really, really early in the morning. So like five, five thirty, when I'm still not quite awake, I get my best writing done. And I don't know why that is. I think you're just kind of focused on one thing besides waking up. <laughs> and so, and the house is quiet and um, I get a lot of good writing in at that time. I think I think it's because we're closer to the subconscious. Okay, yeah. Because because we've just we've just been hanging out with dreams and we've uh -huh. been, and it's something that we still can't really quite explain. Uh -huh. So and then we allow that you know um, rhythm to kind of just keep us going, and then we write, and the story comes out. And it's if we wait too long after we wake up, we 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 might get too intellectual about it. We may right. stay a little more creative about it when we're closer to uh, closer to sleep. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I think. 
No, I think that's true. I hate to I hate to write for too long because if you write for too long, you can get frustrated, overly self-critical, and want to toss everything out. And so it's a it's it's a balance to to kind of know know when you're spent. Yeah, are you, are you talking about the day, like that mm-hmm. day? If you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are other times, like with my memoir. Oh my God, I spent five hours straight. I wrote one whole chapter straight. It was one of the most painful chapters, and I just wanted to get it over with. So I came down to my office. I wrote it for five hours straight. Did not come out, and and um, I was done. And I had very minimal changes after that so sometimes if you're hyper focused on something um or at least for me i can spend you know quite a few hours other times um a couple hours a day it just depends i think yeah the pacing because it's, it's yeah. a marathon it's not a sprint exactly and you can't i mean i i i have some friends who do those um you know bang the book out in a month and I, I never I, agreed with that. I don't understand how you can bang a book about in a month. I mean, the, the shortest amount of time I've written a book is 10 months. And, and for me, um, that's pretty good. You know, that's not bad. It's under a year. Um, but doing it in a month, you're leaving all kinds of stuff out to me and you're rushing it. I think. Yeah. But yeah, because that's, that's that that's the nanorama where you're supposed to put in fifty thousand words, and it's right, just about right. the word count, and that just that feels um, disingenuous to me. I could never do that with my writing to just go right. word count. It just it and it and I feel like it. You know, some people have gotten books out of it, but I think for the most part, it just it hurts people who are trying to be writers. They they they're like, oh God, I can't do that. That's just that was way too much work, and I right. almost died. And it's just like. Well, don't do it in a year, not a month. Right. (laughs) (laughs) What are you thinking? And I just think you're rushing. You're like a bull in a china shop, just rushing through everything, you know, knocking everything down. And you're, you're, you're missing, you're missing out on avenues. Maybe your narrative was supposed to take, but you've put a time clock on it. Right. And we're supposed to let it settle in too. I feel like the settle, like even even if, you know, they just, I I had a day a few days ago where I got less than 500 words in and I'm just, and then I got, and then I beat myself up over it, but I'm like, no, I'm supposed to let all this settle in. And that's still part of the writing. The writing right. process is still mm-hmm. happening. And then I'll sleep <clears throat> and then tomorrow I'll do 800, you know, and then about one, sometimes I'll do 1500 words and uh-huh. then I'm just, and then it kills me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> So now do you, do you read anybody before you write or do you just write? I read uh, well, it's not like I don't stop reading as I'm, uh-huh. as I'm writing. Uh, I like write. So I like to read um, either at night or in the afternoon. It's kind uh-huh. of, it's kind of like my cookie. It's my dessert. Yeah. Yeah. So right now I'm reading Ulysses. I've never read Ulysses. Oh, okay. So I'm, and I've also like, there's this- a little light reading for summer. <laughs> it's it's I know I it's I've avoided it I started it I stopped I started it again I stopped and then this year was the hundredth anniversary so there's a library in Ireland that was kind of doing a guide through day through each uh, episode and uh, and it's just like okay and so I bought that 
uh, little teaching package. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and it kind of is making me stay on path and stay on point. So Ulysses is actually my cookie at the end of the day now, right? That's cool. And sometimes it's too heavy and I don't know what the hell they're saying. And I'm just going, <laughs> I, I don't get this at all, but I just kind of keep going. And then it's just like, well, I get that part. And, but yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> so for some odd reason, you know how books kind of come to you at certain times and you feel like they're supposed to be there at that time. I feel like I need to be, I've never read James Joyce. And for some odd reason at this point in time, at 53 years old, I think this is important and I don't know why. Well, I think you read it at the right time. I read, gosh, I was a sophomore in high school and I was just, my parents were breaking up. I was doing the bare minimum to pass my classes. And I read, I was forced to read um, Catcher in the Rye. And then I was forced to read Fitzgerald and I was um, Great Gatsby. And then I was forced to read Hemingway's A Farewell to Arms. And a fair, I read all of Catcher in the Rye. I read parts of Great Gatsby, then watched the film. And then I watched, or I read all of um, Hemingway, A Farewell to Arms, and I just started bawling at the end. And it was so moving to me. And his imagery was so good. And I was reading, I, my parents were, I was being sent back and forth to visit my mother in Tennessee every other weekend. So my dad would put me on a flight, um, at Ontario airport and I'd fly out there. And so I started reading Jackie Collins, you know, Jackie Collins books. And so I was reading those to pass the, the plane time, the flight time. And um, then once I read A Farewell to Arms, even as a sophomore in high school, I, I just stopped reading her because wow. I <clears throat> just thought this is, this is good writing and I'm wasting my time. And so he really changed everything for me. That book, that book changed everything for me. Really did. It's interesting. So, and I, you know, I, I remember those books getting kind of forced on us in high school mm -hmm. and, and I wouldn't read them because I was, uh, it was, I was just trying to barely pass and had so much other crap going on. Right. But, um, but so catcher on the right, what didn't click. Oh, I then, liked it. I liked it. Yeah. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like a throw with arms to me. <laughs> right, right. And then Great Gatsby, which, you know, I've still never read The Great Gatsby. I, I, I read Catcher in the Rye when I was 30. Okay. And it blew me away. It didn't yeah, like, it's, it's it didn't change book. my life, but it blew yeah, me away. Yeah, it's a good book. Yeah. And I haven't read A Farewell to Arms. I need to read that. I think that's Maybe on my... next summer. <laughs> yeah. Or or in a few months. Um, yeah, yeah, I've tried, you know, I haven't tried Hemingway in a while, but when I did try Hemingway... Back in the '90s, I didn't like him. It was—I don't know why. It just wasn't my thing. But I also didn't like Vonnegut when I first read him, and then I read him again, and I was like, "What was I thinking?" Well, you know, I think it's the different books because, like, um, I'll teach his short story, "The Short Happy Life of Francis McCumber," and that story is about a man becoming a man finally. This wealthy man who just lived this privileged life. And this woman has just kind of, his wife has just kind of um, weakened him. And 
And that story, because it moves scene by scene and there's some dark humor in it as well, um, a lot of students love that one. And then I'll, you know, I'll assign another one um, like Snows of Kilimanjaro, which I think is one of the best short stories ever written. And they just look at me like, really, Professor Priamos? It's too long. And this, this doesn't make sense. And why the hell is there a hyena? And so I just, I, I got so frustrated the last time I taught my creative writing class. I said, okay, you know what? I just have to cut that story out because they don't get it. And that's fine. That it's just not for them. Maybe if they're older, they'll like it. So I think it depends on where you're at in life and which work you're reading. I really do. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Now, I don't know why A Farewell to Arms moved me so much when I was a sophomore, but I think the writing and the imagery, um, the characters, I think all of it just, it really woke me up to what good writing was. Because I always wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a writer back when I was in second grade. Um, so, oh, wow. Yeah. I We were supposed to do these journals in the second grade. And I asked permission if I could write an episodic story. And so I wrote this ridiculous story about this little girl who inherits a seven up factory. And um, so, yeah, I know. <laughs> seven yeah. up was your drink then when seven you were in up, second Shirley okay. Temple's. Shirley Temple's. <laughs> oh, yeah. Theory. Yeah. And so she, of course, had Shirley Temple's made in a can. And, um, you know, of course, there were there were people trying to steal her her. Um, formulas and everything and um the teacher made copies of my my journal at the end my story and passed it out to the class so that's kind of when I knew I was I was I was in for it all the way back then wow so you actually so essentially your teacher was a publisher yeah that was and you had the audiences right there yeah <laughs> how many people were in that class oh gosh I don't know how many 25 maybe yeah that's kind of cool. That's very that I cool. Think about it. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. That teacher probably, you probably moved that teacher too, where it was just like, oh my God, here, here is a little writer. And uh -huh. I want to make sure that she knows. Yeah. Because she didn't have to get, she didn't have to make copies made because I'm sure that came out of her pocket. She was making, you know, all these copies for everybody. Um, so that, and you know, that takes a little time, especially back then. Yeah. Put it together. But yeah, it was pretty cool. And I, I mean, I always was writing just for fun. I would do it just for fun. And I think when it's not enjoyable anymore, you just shouldn't do it. Exactly. You know? So there's times when it's not enjoyable, but in the end, it's, there's a, you just have to do it. And then, but losing the joy, if it's not, if, if there's not a fun spark to it, Right. That, uh, or a uh, compulsion. Like yeah. if something's forcing you to do it because parts of my memoir just made me cry, made me depressed, made me sad, but I had to get it out and I had to get it on paper. And, and so I felt like I had to write my story with my father. And so, and so that moved me to keep that compelled me to keep going forward. Um, but I think if, if, you're complaining more than you're enjoying it, then maybe you need to take a break um, or, you know, stop. I mean, I know some, some writers who just have stopped writing and maybe they'll get back to it. Maybe not. 
but that but they're they stopped writing and now they have a glow in their face and they have great <laughs> lives and it's just they have a little color to their skin because they get out in the sun now <laughs> they have a life <laughs> yeah exactly exactly their instagram is so much better than my instagram <laughs> oh my god my mine are pretty bad except i went to a couple concerts so so there's a little more to it now now that we can go to concerts again oh my god i i lost my mind at the first concert it was train end of last month july oh my god i was in irvine second row i had a strawberry a strawberry lemonade spiked with vodka <laughs> and cool breeze and the music was playing started with blues traveler then jewel and then train and i was on the i had a drink for every every um act I thought you were going to say every time, song. <laughs> I was on, yeah, I was on the third one when Train came out, and I was just, there was no stopping me. And there was, I had two or three seats free, so forget it. I was just dancing. I had so much fun. But it was so good to be back. No mass. Yeah. Um, the music blaring. Oh, I love concerts. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, Nick Cave came through in March. And this oh, was, yeah. This was when it was still iffy. <laughs> And we weren't sure what was going on. And you had to show your Vax card at the door. And yeah, and right. they were like mask up. And then I saw him at the shrine. And then when I, I, I went in there and I had really good seats and, um, and almost, and I was just like, I, you know what? I don't care if I die. I can't wear my mask. If this is the last <laughs> concert I go to and I die of COVID. That's I'm okay it. with that. <laughs> and, and pretty much the rest of the crowd was the same way. And oh, we, yeah? it was just, it was just this magical religious experience where like, are we doing it wrong? We might all be this. <laughs> we might be bodies piled up tomorrow, but this will be worth it. And it was so worth it. And uh, and I didn't get COVID. The person I was with, nothing happened. And it was just like, oh, okay. But it was just, it was like, it was just renewed. It was like rebirth. Right. You know? I think music, especially concerts, really makes you aware that you're alive. And you're yeah. enjoying the moment and you're living in the moment um, and different songs, everything um, brings out so many emotions when you're at a concert. And so I just think they're, I think they're so great. And I was really upset. I mean, I had so many concerts that were um, canceled during COVID. And so this one came up, train came up and then Billy Idol um, the other weekend and I was so excited to be back. Oh, wait, I saw a photo of you and yes. with Billy Idol. You got to meet <laughs> Billy <met> Idol. <laughs> How was that? He was really nice. He was really nice. Um, I met him and Steve Stevens, the guitarist. Yeah. Billy was really friendly. He was friendly, huge smile. Really nice guy. He seems like a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And at later during the concert, he thanked the audience for letting him still rock and letting him live the life he's led and i thought that was pretty cool um, yeah that is cool but, um some of them can get diva-ish even when they get older they can still be divas guns and but, roses yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> no they're bad one so my, horrible they were horrible my, back then <laughs> oh yeah yeah um one of my favorite bands is Duran Duran. And they oh, my are God. Kind of, yeah. They are. Oh, stop. 
And they are kind no, of. No, like that was my first concert. Oh, 19, really? I oh, a, I thought I was, you were making fun of them. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was at the Seven and Ragged Tiger Tour in oh, 1984. Oh, I was there too. I yeah. was at the Forum. And, yeah. I, and my dad, I begged my dad. I said, please let me go. And so he had his secretary take me. And um, oh, my God, that was that was the beginning of the end for me. They're just in my DNA now. Yeah. I see them almost all the time. They're really fun. Um, but they're kind of divas in a fun way. They're not, you know, they're they're kind of still like that glam rock kind of um, alternative music, kind of 80s music. And then they're, you know, they're still creating new stuff. So is Billy Idol. And I think it's really cool that they're still coming up with new stuff. And yet, and trained us too. Um, but they don't, they don't, they, they still play their, their hits, but then they kind of, you know, they, they, they kind of weave in their, their um, new songs. And so I really enjoy that. I want to hear the new stuff. It's uh, it's like, even with, even when Nick Cave came through town, it wasn't with the bad seeds. It was just him mm -hmm. and Warren Ellis. And they played maybe three bad seed songs. And the mm -hmm. rest was what him and Warren had been working on. And mm -hmm. It was fantastic because I've mm -hmm. seen him so many times. I don't want to hear every song that he's played over the years that I've seen way too many times. Yeah, I want to you know how many times you've seen him. Uh, yeah. Somewhere in the thirties, mm. probably about 30. Okay, you beat me. You beat me in Duran Duran. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm about half that. I'd say about 15. Yeah. Well, it's like when Nick came to town and he would play two nights, I was at both nights. Oh, wow. Both every nights. single time. And yeah. <laughs> So that gets, that gets a little costly. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well, there, yeah, it, it did. Well, especially when I, well, I was, I was working in tech at some point. And so I was making more money and I was married at the time. And, okay. <laughs> and she always was like, she always wanted, she's like, but don't forget to get me a ticket. I'm like, of course not. And every single time she would cancel on me, like about 10 minutes before the show, I don't oh, want to go. Geez. I'm too tired. And then, so I'd always have this extra ticket and it just like drove me nuts. I'm like, I'm not buying you tickets anymore after about yeah. three or four times of that. Yeah. And um, anyway, but, but there was many more problems to that marriage, not just the ticket purchasing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I heard part of that when I was listening to you and Jerry Stahl about your about your marriages and divorce and his three two divorces. Yeah, he divorces well. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's good at divorce. <laughs> yeah, he cracks me up. He's an interesting fella. Um Oh, you guys were making me laugh. I mean, I was I was supposed to be taking it seriously, I guess, but then you guys started just kind of riffing on your on your marriages and your divorces. And he was talking about <laughs> how he doesn't want to make people unhappy. And it just, you guys were cracking me up. Yeah. Well, he's, yeah. It's, oh, it's, that's the best compliment ever. I just enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, I do this to laugh at my pain, you know, it's um not, you know, write and do this, but it's just like, we, we laugh or we cry. I, you know, and I've cried. I just try not to do that on mic. But if I do, it's okay. It'll make yeah, a great show. Right. So. <laughs> but I think we have to take it all kind of in and we have to make fun of some things and, and our families and our relationships. I think if we don't, it will take us down. Well, we have to process it, you know, yeah. it's, I, and I think that's why we need our, um, you know, like even uh, 
even when I, even when I've been in good relationships, I've always needed like my counselors, my mm-hmm. dudes I can go to and go, she drives me crazy when she does this, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And I could just like go on and on and then come back together. And I got it all out of my system, but I think I mainly needed to just hear it out loud. Right. And then it was, and it's not to disparage her in any way. And I'm, and the good ones that always are the good relationships I've had, they always go to their friends and they're like, he does this and he drives me crazy <laughs> when I do that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I talk bad about you. I'm like, I hope you did. Don't tell me what you said, but I want you to talk. You're supposed to get it out. We got to air we got to exactly. air it out and then come back in and go and just be the intimate togetherness again. You know? Oh yeah. I couldn't imagine not venting to my girlfriends. I just can't imagine that. I mean, because I, I talk a lot um, and I can be pretty ruthless. I can be um, well, writers were all that way. Right. Yeah. We can be pretty cutting. And so, so they get text messages about my husband or about school work, whatever. And they're like, geez, that that's rough. But they're used to it. And then, like you said, you get you you vent, and then you're fine. And then you come back, you're good. Yeah. Oh so yeah. I think you have to. I think you have to vent. And I'm sure my husband goes to his friends at the gym, and I'm sure he vents about how annoying I am. Um, yeah. I don't. I can't imagine why, but. <laughs> <laughs> Because I you know so, he probably I, has I, to really uh, think for a long time to come up with time, something. Tony. It takes him a long time to yeah. find something bad to say about me. Right. Then, like once a month, he might have just a little something, and then right. and then everything well, else just—it's all roses. Day. Yeah. <laughs> they just look at him at the gym. And go, why are you so happy? And he's just like, my <laughs> lovely wife. She never puts the toilet seat back up after she pees. <laughs> <laughs> The um, how long have you been married? Oh my gosh, twenty two years. Ooh, congratulations! Thank you. Twenty two is you know, a fun you know number. What he said to me, he said to me, "You've lasted longer than my first wife." <laughs> I said, "I didn't realize it was a competition." Yeah. You know. And then you said, "And I won." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it was a competition, and yes, I am the winner. <laughs> can i call her can i call her and tell her oh geez yeah i can't call her she passed but um i think can i go to her gravesite and tell her (laughs) i do think it's uh, (laughs) um i do think any kind of relationship you can't think about it too hard yeah i don't think you know you know i even tell students when you know, when we're having conversations about literature or whatever, about relationships, don't overthink it. Just enjoy what you have. Appreciate that that person's around and that you have somebody to rely on. Um, but, and don't ever um, let that person become your everything because that turns me off really fast. I don't want a needy person and I don't want to be needy to someone else. I think we need to be complete people and we can, and I think that helps in any relationship with your friends or anybody. Yeah. Well, and that's, um, that's just not being codependent. That's the right. great way to go. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It, there's, there's a beauty and I don't, I don't need you. I want you. And I choose right. every day to want you, you know, that's, there's, there's a beauty in that. Yeah. Um, 
But I mean, married life isn't easy. <laughs> yeah, life isn't easy though. That's what no, that's no. what I figured out. It's like life isn't easy, and so if you're in a relationship, that you know, that's not. I don't think it's supposed to be easy. If it's no. easy, then I think it's then something's wrong. You know, right, right. Those perfect couples. It's just like you look at them and you go, "Oh, those the skeletons in the closet." I'd oh, like to yeah. know what's in there. Oh yeah, somebody's doing this or somebody's doing that, and they're not telling the other person. Yeah. Well, my I I have uh, friends. They just celebrated their thirty year and uh, wedding anniversary, and I'm just like, I'm so happy to be here. I think that I'm happier to be here, and I'm glad. I, I'm kind of glad I didn't. I didn't didn't even care to know you when you guys got married, because <laughs> this is more important than getting married to me. I'd uh -huh. rather be at your thirty year anniversary. Yeah. And I was like, how's that feel? And he just goes, Ugh. and I'm like, and that's why you got a great marriage, and that's why I love you guys, because <laughs> that's the right answer. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean anybody i i have i know some people that kind of gloss over things and you kind of know they're not telling you the truth yeah you know that there's probably some unrest they're not talking about um but i feel like you need to you need to communicate you need to have a balanced life like i go out with my girlfriends i go to concerts sometimes with him sometimes with my girlfriends um and i do things independently because i think that just keeps you balanced and happy and um i just think you you're better off that way anybody is you know yeah I just yeah. really feel, I think that's the key to anything is to just enjoy different parts of your life and keep it full, keep everything full. If that makes sense. Yeah. And have a spiral notebook. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have a certain pen you use? <laughs> um, I, I, I always use a ballpoint pen. Really? I like to use, I love to use um, hotel pens. So oh, hotel pens are fun. Hotel yeah. pens are cool. So I've got a Fairmont from San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I've got some Cosmopolitans, some Badaras from Vegas. Because I love Vegas. So you're stealing, but you're the one that's been stealing pens. You're I the reason why the, the hotel industry is going down hey. economically. I, I <laughs> they're there for me. They're there for me to take. So so they're mine. Everyone knows that they're like she's taking the pens. I like hotel pads. I like the notepads I they have. I think those too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's something. There's something like cosmopolitan about writing on a hotel notepad. It just. Yes, there is. Yeah. Yeah. I always keep. I'll. I'll keep a pen and a small pad in my purse in case I'm. You know, something strikes me and I'll. I'll write it down. Because doesn't it suck when you have an idea and you say, "Oh, I'll remember it," and then you don't. Oh yeah, no, I have I have a pen and notepad on me every. Yeah. Actually, I usually have about three pens on me. Oh okay. One runs out of ink. That's how crazy <laughs> obsessive I am. Wow, you have to have backups. Yeah, and even today, I was just like I was writing, and my pen ran out of ink, and it was just like boom, and I had another one right away. No. <laughs> I have to. I I can't have I can't have any stoppage. You know, it's uh, <laughs> the um. So you're almost done with your book. This this draft. And then I'm going to just re-tear it apart again and see what happens. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then I'm, and at the moment I'm looking, I'm going to try to uh, really get a, there's a chap, there's a 
there's a chapter I know that I'm going to use to try to get like uh, residencies and fellowships. So I'll start applying. Oh, that's um, and I, and I kind of know the chapter that's going to work for it. Cause it kind of set, it sets the tone for everything. Okay. And then it's, it's not the crazy parts where um, they will be like, we'll get, we're going to get canceled if we have this guy in our residency. And they'll, <laughs> they'll find that out after the book comes out. <laughs> Hey, we have to push the boundaries. Things are shrinking in the literary world. And I I really, uh, I have a strong opinion on that. I think we need to keep it politically incorrect. I think we need to, that uh, literature is our last bastion of hope. It and really not- is. Yeah. And I don't, it's somebody, this is, I, I do a library class once a month and we're not on zoom anymore. We're back in person finally, That's good. but, but we were on zoom and this woman said, so I opened it up to questions and I love it because I don't know any of those people. It's almost like working an open mic. If you're a standard uh-huh. comic to do the library. <laughs> and this one woman goes, Tony, I have a question as a cis white female. How do I write diverse characters? Oh God. And I was just like, are oh. you tweeting this right now? Why are you asking me this? And I said that and everyone started laughing and she started laughing, but I was like, Hey, look, write your truth. That's uh-huh. it. And, and then, and then you learn your characters and you get into your characters and you know what? Nobody's perfect. We're all embrace, embrace like truth, humanity, embrace the, um, embrace the prejudices that we have because we all have them right we got to stop pretending that it's just you know it, it and the ones that pretend are the scariest people on earth because oh, you know yeah. they're the worst and the um, on twitter <laughs> yeah exactly and it's just like the uh yeah very true <laughs> it's funny i very I've, I've kind of noticed a few people that i'm acquainted with and go oh you're that <laughs> but but yeah it's it, it, I don't even think it's about not being PC. It's just about not being honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we're, we are flawed humans and we need to write flawed characters. And those right. characters need to, need to even be more flawed than we are because we enjoy train wrecks. We, we want right. to read drama. We, exactly. we are, we're avoiding conflict in life. Just, you know, if I, if I didn't avoid conflict in life, I would just pull women's underpants down and have sex with them right there. <laughs> But you can't go with every whim that just you can't go with every thought in your mind. You got to like you hold back. But, you know, it's it, but if you if you're writing a story, you put your character in situations where they go on their whims and they do terrible things. And then right. then there's consequences. Now, what are they going to do to get out of this? You know, right. Uh, no, I agree. And and um, I had one woman, it was for my re- my first uh, book event for Inside V, my second book, and I read the first chapter, and my character, the male character, is on trial for statutory rape of a 17-year-old Latina, and the wife, his wife, it's told in her point of view, Ava, and she doesn't know if he's she doesn't know if she should believe him if he's innocent or guilty. And so I read the chapter and this woman was in the audience and she starts screaming at me and she starts saying, how dare you write about this? And I say, how dare you tell me what to write about, you know? And, and, you know, I wanted to call her a curse word, but I didn't. And did you fight after? Did you say, well, I'll meet you outside? Hey, <laughs> I know. I follow men's boxing. I know quite a few punches. 
<laughs> but um, I'll knock you on your ass. But um, no, seriously, I was stunned at that. And and I said, you have to read the whole book because if I'm going to tackle um, a subject like this, there's it, there's going to be a lot more depth to it and more nuances. So, yes. so please don't insult me like that, you know. Um, but we're in this world now, this crazy politically incorrect or correct and judgmental world where you can't write about this. You can't write about that. You have to apologize for who you are. I mean, at yeah, my I, school, I don't apologize. <laughs> yeah, at my school, you have they they say I'm aware I'm on land that was, you know, originally Native American. I mean, if we did all of that every day we wouldn't get anything done, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's just, you can't, you can't apologize for everything all day long for things that you yourself didn't do. Cause know? I got, a, yeah, I got a lot of other apologizing for things <laughs> I've actually done. And exactly. I can't add to the list. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just, and I think literature, you know, recently with Salman Rushdie being stabbed and I just think it's so horrible. I just feel like we really need to push back and we really need to keep literature um, moving social norms, questioning things, criticizing things and getting people talking, getting people angry. Um, so they do talk about stuff. I just, it's just. And, and it should, our work should offend people. It should offend right. a certain amount of, you know, it's like if some, if nobody's finding your work offensive, you're doing something wrong. Exactly. Like, I feel the same way. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it, it, we, we, you know, be offended. That's fine. Don't read the book. You right. know, you'll know, you know how I write. So you don't have to read any of my books coming up. You can read Jackie Collins. I hear she's great. <laughs> well, and it's just so disingenuous. If you come up with characters, like you said, they're going to be flawed. They, you know, we all have our biases there. There's going to be something that they do or they think they'll be too arrogant, um, too self-involved, whatever it is, um, womanize or whatever, whatever their flaw is or flaws, they're going to have it. And if you don't have characters that have flaws, then your characters are one dimensional and boring. Yeah. You know? And, and I have read books, unfortunately, where you can just feel that they've been tinkered with by an editor and their yes. edges have been blunted and you just go, wow, you took all the teeth out of that book. You know, not only that, it takes the honesty out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I'm, when I'm reading a book by, a, when I'm reading, I, I, I could tell when someone's being honest and someone, it, when someone's right. like, just, it, and it, you know, it's not something that other, the general public will sit there and go, I don't, you know, those, they just vibe. They don't like the book too much. And I'm like, oh, the, it's because they didn't hit it or they had a sensitivity editor that was like, you're going to have to take the word fat out now, you know? And, it was, <laughs> and it's, oh, yeah. it's like mind blowing. It's just like, no, don't take those words out. This is what people think. It's, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know if you heard about that Bruce Wagner situation where he, uh, he had they, his, the sensitivity editor said he had to take the word fat out. And he's like, my character is 550 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't joking. The main character is that big. Oh my gosh. And so, and they were, and they, they told him to take the word fat out. And he just, um, he said, screw it. He just published his book for free on his website. 
And he's wow. just because he's oh, just like he's like word. pull me pull me out of contract. I'm not going to be that much of an idiot. And they they were not relenting again. To, wow. And I think it was counterpoint too. Was it really? Yeah. And um and he All just put it out for fat. free it's over the, the word fat. It's the new F word. It is. You know, there's a fantastic short story. I always get you. Guys, I, get the, <laughs> I get the guy's name wrong. Um, Andre Dubus. How do you say his last name? Oh yeah, Dubose. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I'll him on. I had him on my show uh, before. Yeah. Well, his short story is called "The Fat Girl." Oh yeah. And it's a fantastic story about an obsession with weight, and yeah. that's the perfect title. It's the perfect title. If I were to use that story today, people would call me insensitive. But it's such a good story about what a woman's weight really should be versus her starving herself to death, smoking cigarettes and, you know, driving herself to an early grave because she wants to be a certain size that she wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And it's a really powerful story. It's a really powerful story. But again, perfect title and today yeah they take they say oh you can't title it that yeah but yeah. that sucks his contract he pulled out of the contract over the yeah. that. yeah God. wow and that and, but i point no didn't they recognize the word fat in there when they took the book i'm not i'm not sure exactly how yeah i don't know how the con if they had the full you know some of these contracts so they'll if if the uh what do you call it i i find out these authors um get the contract before they have to complete the book and i'm like how do you do that <laughs> i want to be on that angle i want to be on that side of that of this game but um yeah, yeah who knows maybe not <laughs> and at no, least I don't, I don't think it would be a good idea to get the book contract first because then you'd feel like you have to tailor it to them Oh, I, I, and that's, see, this is, and that's where I get contrarian and I, and I'll go uh -huh. even, and some of the book I'm writing now, uh, or some of the chapters are directly against, um, like at UCLA extension, we have to take these, like how not to be, how not to sexually harass people. And I'm just like, <laughs> I get it. You don't put someone's, you don't put your penis in someone's mouth. I got it. <laughs> I got it. Do I have to sit here for 90 minutes and go through all these scenarios and watch these bad <laughs> actors and answer questions? Oh, so, I have um, to do those too. Yeah. yeah. Cal State. Yep. <laughs> but it's just like, come on, people. It's common sense. Why? Why are we sitting here like it's like we don't know that what what the lines are? You know, it's right. It's uh. So there's um. But but it's okay because then that irritates me and then it leads to something. I I, I don't mind being irritated because I'm if I if something irritates me, then I usually end up using it somehow and then I usually realize, oh wait, I'm kind of an idiot too in this scenario. Yeah. So. Well, I would like I would like more satire about the world we live in today. I would love more satire written about what we're going through right now. Um, the yeah, way it's hard to find. Overreact about stuff, you know, like the Will Smith slap. Everybody, oh my God, everybody was up in arms about it. And I, you know, I'm a men's boxing fan, so like, okay, so he slapped him. You know, that's nothing compared to what I see. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But it, and to me, it was like. It was about her, his wife, and how she was humiliated. It really wasn't about the two men. And there's a great op-ed by Roxanne Gay, um, and I use it for my classes now, um, about the fact it is about her. And why are we talking about the men in that scenario? 
And I, I, I full on agree with that. So I just think that we're wait, wait, wait. Let's back up on that. So, because huh. <laughs> I don't know if I agree, this will be fun. That's so, cool. so, um, it's about. I, I think so. I'll, I'll, I'll propose this, and then you can tell me I'm wrong. But I think that Will Smith, when I've, when I've had, when I've been in relationships where I get over angry about someone else talking about the mm-hmm. person I'm with. Mm-hmm. Or if, or if, or if they get, if someone's kind of cat calling them a little bit and I like overreact, mm-hmm. it's usually my problem. Mm-hmm. And it's also not only that, it's a problem with our relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's something, and, and it's always been a problem with the relationship and I'm actually angry about the relationship and not about the exterior thing happening. So you think Will Smith is upset with his relationship with his wife? Yeah. Okay. i feel when i watched that play out i felt that she looked hurt and i felt like he looked at her he first laughed and then he looked at her like oh man she's hurt and so he overreacted and and i feel it was wrong because he ruined that whole night for everyone else oh i agree um but talking just about her she was humiliated and, and she's trying to make the best of it. She has alopecia. Um, she's trying to make the best of it. And he had no right to tell an unfunny joke. It was a stupid joke, in my opinion. And so it really should have been more about her. And it, instead, again, it, it's about the two men. And so so I just feel like I just feel like more should have been brought up about her. But because they have the kind of relationship that's what open or it has been open in the past. Oh my God. Yeah. That I think that played a big part. People thought, well, you know what? They do weird stuff anyway. They don't really care. So it doesn't matter. And I, I just felt that was wrong. I felt that was wrong. And I felt like people, you know, I love comedians. I love comedians, but be clever. Be Mike Berbiglia. Don't be, chris rock's dumb unfunny joke about gi jane well i'm team chris rock even if he has a even <laughs> if he has a slip up on a joke i think um oh no he's these funny pe- these people who take themselves so seriously she she assumes everyone knows she has alopecia because she's this celebrity in a bubble i don't even know what she looks like until i see the slap and then i'm like oh wait that's jada pinkett smith's it's just <laughs> these people live in this world where they just think everyone around them is should should be all knowing of all their problems and it's just like you know no one knows that the um the internal struggle i've gone through on certain things and i don't bring it up if if i feel offended by it i'm just like mm-hmm. i i go ouch that hurts but it hurts because what i've been through not because that that person's saying something i think we're going to agree to disagree on that <laughs> <laughs> Which is cool because yeah. you know what? It's fine to disagree about things. Well, I we're mean, supposed to. That's I know. And yeah. I, I like Chris Rock. He's funny. Um, I think Will Smith completely overreacted and ruined everybody, including his own night. Um, yeah. And he should have just taken Chris Rock aside later and said, man, that wasn't right what you said. Um, but I, I just, I still feel like she was a little unfairly humiliated when it wasn't necessary it wasn't called for well he didn't know about the alopecia she she just had her head shaved so but would other comedians make that bad joke i don't know i mean i don't see 
other comedians making that joke. Yeah. But I don't think it was a good joke. I would have asked, how was Tupac's penis? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I hope you said that. That took me a second to hear that. Oh, my God. You're horrible. Yeah. You are horrible. (laughs) Horrible person over there. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Paula, this has been so much fun. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. (laughs) Do you like ending on that? (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. We can end on Tupac's penis. That's great.
Paula Priamos on Drinks with Tony. Check out her new book, Appraise Her. Next week on the show, we have Peter Sue discussing his new book, If I Were an o- If I Were the Ocean, I'd Carry You Home. Thanks for listening. Support your local library. Read books. I, I love all of you reading folks out there. And thanks for listening. And um, tell your friends to read a book. It's pretty cool. I'll see you next week. You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz.